0: Good morning church. It's great to see you this morning it's a, It's going to be great it's It's only a little after ten o'clock. I've got a couple of hours here, so I've noticed the clock back there and we're good. I don't know uh did anybody did anybody forget to set your clock up oh well you're not I'm sorry you're the ones that are not here uh, They'll roll in here in a little bit uh, I don't quite know how to work this uh real expensive. Uh, Walmart watch I got so I just leave it on the same time so now for the next half of the year it'll be right but it's been wrong but for the last six I just leave it where it is my uncle used to call that real time he didn't change anything back up in the hills he just he just stayed on whatever real time was you know so it's good to have you you know we, it has been a great great uh, joy to preach to the book of Romans and uh, so we're kind of wrapping it up you know last week Trent had a little challenge of doing several chapters there and, and into one sermon and that's a hard task and I appreciate his uh, efforts and what he did there it' was really good and so uh, he was doing three and he like left me six to do or whatever so uh, uh, you know I did a couple of them in communion time and so now we're into chapter 14 and so what I want to do as we talk through a little bit of this is I want to remind us because the book opens and closes uh, the same way and uh, I do want to try to get get through it and finish it. You know, there was a, there was a, uh, a challenge among some uh, linguistic uh, educators. They had a contest of definitions of words. And so uh, one of the guys in the very finals, he was asked to explain the difference between complete and finish. So he explained in a very simple way, he said that, uh, uh, here's his answer. He said, when you marry the right woman you are complete. But when you marry the wrong woman, you are finished. (laughs) And when the right woman catches you with the wrong one, you are completely finished. (laughs) I actually received a standing ovation and won quite a prize for that contest in England there. Uh, We're going to try to get completely finished the best we can as we go through this. In Romans chapter 1, the book starts out, the key verse... That I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God and the salvation. Oh, by the way, all these, this PowerPoint, uh, if you've got the app, you can just click on your app and it'll all pull up right there for you on your, on your deal. So uh, uh, you can just read that real quick and take a nap. Catch up on that hour if you need to. But, uh, so the, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes. Now he says this gospel, in, in this gospel something happens. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Here's what happens. When the story of Jesus, the death, and resurrection of Jesus is preached, when it happens in time, a curtain is pulled back and it reveals something about God. What do we see about God that we didn't see before? We see how God is righteous in how He saved people. Because it looked like he saved people without paying for their penalty before the before the gospel was preached. Someone says, "How can Abraham be saved? How can David be saved?" Satan could say, "God, you can't save them. They all got sin." And God says, "Oh yes, I can." And the gospels preached, and the curtain is pulled back, and they said, "That's how I saved them through Jesus Christ because God planned this. He crucified Christ in His mind before the world began." And the preaching of the gospel in time reveals how God was right in what he did. Got it? It proves God's righteousness. So he starts the book out that way. Now later on, we're going to, at the end of the end of the sermon, we're going to uh, have another verse at the end of the book that's going to basically say the same thing. You'll see how it book ends. So now that we're saved, he said, Who needed saved? Everybody, because one eighteen through three twenty in the book of Romans says, Everybody's condemned. I am condemned not because my daddy or my mama sinned or Adam sinned or anybody else. I'm condemned because I looked at God and said, I know what you want me to do, and I ain't going to do it. And that, God is dead. We are condemned. There's none righteous, no, not one. We've all fallen short. The way to sin is death. So uh, that section of Romans says every man, Jew, pagan, moral, doesn't matter. We're all condemned the same way we chose to sin, and we die. So we have a great need for this gospel. And then in chapter in chapter uh, 320, uh, 321 through chapter 5, he shows that hey, here's how you're saved. We're justified by faith in the story of Jesus and what he's done for us. He says, look at Abraham's faith. That's the kind of faith we ought to have. A God who calls things that are not as though they already were. The God we can trust in, His promises, what He said would happen, would happen. We believe in Him. We believe in that story of Jesus. And we are saved by faith. We didn't do anything to earn it. its grace. But we have to trust in that story to be saved. And now that I'm saved, what do I do in well, Romans chapter 6? Well, if I've got all this grace, maybe i just go on sin and i just keep getting more grace. No, you can't do that. Don't you understand when you were baptized into Christ... Uh, that all of a sudden, you said I died to that old man. I can't live like that anymore. Just like slavery, you used to be a slave to the old man. Now you're a slave to Jesus. You're not a slave to sin anymore. And, and, and just like that person that, that you were married at one time and they died and you're no longer bound, it's the exact same thing. You're died to the old man. You're no longer bound. So chapter 6 and 7 says we don't just keep uh, sin and the grace may bound. Instead, we live a holy life, a sanctified life. And we grow in that holiness and that sanctification. And oh yeah, we have battle with sin. Like, like Paul said in Romans 7, Lord, those things that I don't want to do, I end up doing them. And the things that I, uh, I ought to be doing, I don't do. Any of you have that problem besides me? You know, I saw a few of you last night. We were at a gathering. There were some people and there were cake being served. And I saw some of you, you took the thing you didn't need and you, you know. That, yeah, yes, you know who I'm talking about. You battle that old flesh. But then you realize what a great, great victory we have because Romans 8, he says, look, uh, praise be to God, we're not under that old law anymore. We are no longer under the law of sin and death. says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No means no. no. Say it with me. No means no. I am not under a law that says... When I sin now, I instantly die. I, I'm out of that law. That was the old law. I'm not like that anymore. You see, now I have help as I grow in, in my desire to be like Jesus. But you know what happens? Satan loves to deceive us into us thinking we're back under that old law. I'll never forget a very sweet little old lady over in Texas. And then right when right when she's dying, she says, "Mica, oh, I hope I've done enough." Oh she' one of the most holiest people I, I'd ever met. I said done enough. He did enough and I, well, I was I was saddened because she couldn't enjoy the assurance and freedom in Christ. and I'm not saying that people that live like that aren't saved i'm just saying they don't enjoy the trip very much you know what i'm saying we need to be a people who learn what the greatness of being in christ look we have the holy spirit living in us we're co-heirs with jesus uh, the holy spirit groans for us even, even in our messes and and there's there's he works out everything for the good of those who love the lord romans 8 And there's nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ, not famine, not nakedness, not sword, not distress, all these things. No, we are more than conquerors. That's the greatness of being in Jesus. In chapter 9, 10, and 11, he simply says, Look, this thing of greatness was planned by God Almighty who is sovereign and in control. He planned it before the world was ever created. He lined it all up. And Israel, you of all people, should, should live in such a way to expect Jesus, but a whole group of them didn't. And so he says, there's an Israel within an Israel. You've got to do it by faith. You can't do it by tying yourself to a heritage of people or a nation. They couldn't do it. And by the way, you can't do it either. You can't tie, you can't tie your religion to your mom and your daddy. You've got to have your own faith in the gospel of Christ. And he comes out on the other side and he says, he's brokenhearted, Paul says, because I want my people to be saved so bad. And God said, look, I even saved the Gentiles in such a way as to hopefully the rest of those Jews that rejected me would get jealous and then come on back to God. And then in chapter 12, he tells, here's how we live Since we have all this goodness through God. 12 through 16 is how we are going to live life. And in chapter 14, he says, Look, living this life, you're going to have some people that that, that don't get along with you. Now, can you believe in a church you'd have somebody that wouldn't get along with you? I mean, I just can't believe that. I thought everybody got along with everybody. Actually, i got an old sermon. I need to dig this one out sometime. It's called How to Get Along with the Unget-Alongable. <laughs> mm. Well, let's look now at chapter 14. He says this, Accept him whose faith is weak. So we're going to talk through these, each one of these. Be accepting. Be convinced. Be concerned. And be united. Let's look at this first one. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man's whose faith is weak and eats only vegetables. The man who eats uh, everything must not look down on him who does not. uh, And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he'll stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. And one man considers a day more sacred than another. Another uh, man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Let's look at that for a minute. He says, first of all, be accepting. Later on in chapter 15, he's going to say, accept them because Christ accepted them. So what is this weak and strong brothers accepting each other? Uh... They got a problem here, you see, because uh, they got some folks that think it's wrong to eat meat that's been sacrificed to idols. They kind of came out of the little idol stuff, and they think, hey, I don't want anything to do with it, and that's wrong for me to do that. Another brother says, now look, it's okay. Everything's good uh, by the Lord. You can eat any of it. All right, so you got these two brothers. Now he mentions one of them is weak, but he tells both of them from the beginning don't pass judgment. Don't look down on them and don't condemn. Uh, Kind of reminds me of a little poem I read. I was shocked, confused, bewildered as I entered heaven's door, not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor. But it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp, the thieves, the liars, and the sinners, the alcoholics and the trash. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Bob, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. I nudged Jesus. What's the deal? I'd love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, Charlie said, they're all in shock. No one thought they'd be seeing you. (laughs) Well, you know, it's pretty easy to get into that judging thing, isn't it? She said, "Don't pass judgment on people. If they have a different belief about something that, they, that they've come out of." <clears throat> Look, I like Christmas. I like getting gifts. I like giving them. We celebrate. Once you, I, you know, I don't know what what day he was born on. I think any day's a great day to celebrate the birth of Christ, right? So, you know, I, I'd be okay by me if we celebrated Christmas like once a month. You know, I, I like it. I love that holiday. It'd be all right if somebody's hung up about that particular day, that's okay too. He says, if they, somebody wants to hold a day special, if they do that, they do that because they're convinced in their mind that, that that's the thing they need to do by faith. Because he says, not only do we need to be accepting, we need to be convinced. He says, you need to be convinced in your own mind that what you do is right with God. Someone else, someone thinks it's, oh, uh, it's okay to eat this meat that came from out Somebody else says, no, nah, that's not okay. You don't force that on a brother. You don't, you don't have all the meat set up and bring him in. And look, Here's the difference about... Let me describe the weak brother for a minute. The weak brother is not the same as the grippy brother. They're different. The weak brother, he's weak in his faith. He thinks he shouldn't do something, but he's not strong enough to stand up and say it, and you'll influence him by your influence, you'll pull him in and get him to do something that he thinks is wrong. That's what you can't do. All right? That's the weak brother. He's so weak, he won't not do it. He'll just get pulled right into the fray. Don't do a brother like that. And look, if he has a different view on something on Scripture, don't look down on him. I don't know anybody that has all the answers right anyway yet, so we're all still studying, we're all still learning, right? So don't look down. Don't pass judgment. But be convinced whatever you're doing is of faith. Be convinced about that. He doesn't say back off your belief. He just says make sure you're convinced of what you're, how you're viewing things and what you stand on. But how do you treat your brother? He says you'd be concerned for him. You don't put him under distress. And you don't destroy him. Because you have a different belief about this matter now in the first verse he mentioned this idea of a disputable matter you know, you know how you can tell something is a disputable matter now this is real profound because <clears throat> it's always disputed <laughs> I mean if it's been argued over 200 years 300 years 500 years it's a side of a doctrine y'all back and forth cross, you know and everybody's written and studied if it's a disputable matter you know there have been people disputing it a whole long time. He said, you don't destroy your brother over that kind of stuff. And you don't put them in distress. You don't make it hard on them. You don't create distance with them. You pull them closer to you. You don't destroy the brothers and sisters over things like that. You can't do it. He said, as a matter of fact, what you have to have is you have to have unity you be united i want you to look at this verse in chapter 15 may the god who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow christ jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. I was converted when I was 18 years old. Gary Stevenson others shared the gospel with me. <clears> they <throat> brought me down here to this church. I was 19 then. The only thing I wanted to do was just teach, learn the Bible and teach people about Jesus. That's all I wanted to do. I come in here. Man, they got two services going on over there. I went to both of them all the time. I was fired up, you know. I went to everything I could go. But I went in there my first Sunday. I went in there and they dismissed kids to go to another place for part of the worship. And I said, I, I, I can't do that. The Bible says everybody's to meet into one place. I've been taught that. And now they're going to two places, and so I pulled old Bill Smith aside. I'm going to straighten him out on that, you know. It didn't go quite like I planned. All of a sudden, I started learning Bible, and I started wrestling with Scriptures. And, you know, the whole time that I'm studying and I'm learning I'm growing while I'm in the school, not once did I feel like anybody... Anybody looked down on me because of where I was in my learning. Not one time did I feel like I was stifled and couldn't grow. I was allowed to learn and grow and hold things that other people didn't hold and still be united. You know, I came to this, it didn't take me long once I was here and I ran into a cute little secretary upstairs in the local office. And uh, it was Susan. And, uh, matter of fact, this June we're going to have been married 40 years. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, hey, I, I loved it. I've got, you know, I don't know how she feels, but, you know, I, I can't help it if she made a bad deal. I got a good one, you know. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, so, uh, I mean, we married and, and we we're in school. We struggle. People, members in this congregation, they had us over to feed us. They knew we didn't have much. People would take up collections and help the students in school and help us buy our books or, or have us over for fried fish and those kinds of things and, 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 and just take care of us, you know and then uh, uh, eventually I came back here and did youth ministry uh, had trouble We had trouble getting kids here went through four uh miscarriages. You know, people surrounded us with prayer, and, and brothers and sisters hugged our necks and, and, and prayed for us, and food came to the house and all these things, all because of this church family, you see. And all of a sudden, we get a couple of kids here. And we get to get involved in a great ministry. I mean, this church took care of me. This church gave me my Bible. It gave me my wife. It gave me my kids. Let me tell let me just let me ask you this. What would have to happen, do you think, for me to exit this place and say, no, nah, I don't want to go there anymore? they give me money. They paid my bills when I couldn't pay them. Fed me. You think I'm gonna bail? You know what? I it would take somebody denying Jesus came out of the ground for me to leave here. I ain't bailing out here because the preaching's bad. It ain't bad. I ain't saying it's bad. I might get run out cause it's bad, but I ain't bailing myself. Trent's over there licking his lips like, oh, man, more time. I ain't bailing because I don't like the worship, whether it's, I think it's boring or not. I think we ought to improve all those things about Our families, we can but I ain't bailing because of that. I ain't bailing because you disagree with me on a scripture. I ain't jumping ship because of that. What would make you leave a forever family that's done that for you or for me. I'm just telling you, I ain't going to work. I remember a year ago, you out there, this people in this pews, you were out in boats uh on roads that were flooded, going to people's houses. We were knee deep in Inman's house over there carrying stuff out and brothers were coming around to help and and and, and people were taking care of one another because of the flood and, and 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 people got their stuff back. Money got given to help folks and get them up get them up out of the out of out of the ground and out of the flood and out of the disaster. You'd think I'm leaving a church family like that? I'm in. He says here, be united. You don't have to believe everything exactly the way I believe it. They didn't in Romans. But he did tell them to be united with one mouth and one heart to the praise of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. And I'll tell you, if I got to sit on broken pews, and somebody say I'm sitting on one right now, I know, I know, we're gonna fix it. We're trying. But if I got to sit on a broken house, I say I ain't leaving. I ain't bailing on the family. And I have full confidence you won't either, because of what God has done for us through the church family. One more verse. Chapter 16. So you thought I wasn't going to get to the end of the book. Verse 25, through the end of the book. Finished. Completely finished. Now to him who is able to establish, that word right there in the Greek is sterizo, where we get our word steroid. The strength that's being put in by God. Now to Him who is able to establish and strengthen you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed... There you got it, see? Curtains pulled back, now we see it. "...and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey Him to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The gospel starts this book. It develops it. Shows us why we are saved, how we ought to live as saved folks and how we ought to have confidence in God and how we ought to trust His sovereignty and treat one another right, whether they're enemies or they're brothers, and be united even in disagreements. And he pulls us right back to the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So when you believe in that story, and you have your faith in him, you become a part of this forever family. And I wouldn't be any other place any other place because the gospel that's what we got down and that's what we're about father we love you thank you for the day help us to be patient with one another to show grace to not judge and not look down help us learn to accept each other better father i'm thankful for the people in this room so many of them have helped raise me up and grow me in my faith and Challenge me in the Word, and uh, Father, you just you blessed me personally so much here. I pray, Father, for our new people that they will hook in and connect to this church and and it, and have just as uh, deep roots in it as I do. I pray, Father, for folks that are tempted by the evil one to leave holiness and live wrong and create distance here. I we we don't want to lose one person. Father, to the other side. I pray that you will raise us up more mature, to look more like Jesus than we ever have before. Help us to never give up the challenge of taking this message to the whole world. Thank you for your grace and mercy, the power of the gospel, and what it tells us about you and who you are and your great love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen.